This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host, let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 1103 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, and welcome to another edition of of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening as always. And well, unlike the majority of Buffalo sports fans this morning, I am not giddy in Dalina Mania and the, the Bills quarterback that they drafted on Thursday. No, unfortunately, my weekend uh, was uh, not well, I guess my weekend wasn't ruined, but I just I'm not feeling the the one Buffalo pride this morning because while the Bills and Sabres had some good news this weekend. Uh, the Buffalo Bandits, unfortunately, losing last night, ending their regular season, and will not make the postseason. And as the that's the team that I work with and work on their broadcast with, uh, I'm a little bummed this morning. So I'm not as giddy as maybe Joe and Brayton were here this morning talking about uh, Rasmus Dahlin and the Sabres winning the draft lottery, which is great, but I am not as in a good mood as most Buffalo sports fans. But we will press on here this morning as we've got uh, racing to talk about is we've got NASCAR and Talladega. We've got four wide nationals for NHRA. we got a crazy F1 race to talk about. Lots of stuff here on this Sunday morning to talk with you at 803-0551-888-550-2550. And also you can uh, tweet us at FastTrack550 and Facebook.com slash WGRFastTrack. Coming up on today's program... In about 10 minutes, we'll go live to the Talladega Super Speedway and talk to Mike Bagley from the Motor Racing Network as we will have live flag-to-flag coverage of today's Geico 500 from the Talladega Super Speedway with live uh, pre-race coverage coming up at 1 o'clock this afternoon here in WGR Green Flag just after 2 o'clock. Mike will be on the broadcast, and we will talk to the bagman uh, in about 10 minutes here on the program. At the bottom of the hour, our local racing preview rolls on despite Mother Nature steamrolling over the start of racing season here in western New York and southern Ontario. Uh, Tim Pakman, my dear friend and, uh, well, I guess you could say boss over at the Lancaster Speedway, he will join me at the bottom of the hour as uh, weather has wreaked havoc on their schedule, including... Uh, uh, some uh, delaying some preseason track prep and, and delaying the start to that season to the season over at Lancaster. We'll talk to Tim about their 2018 campaign as uh, racing uh, any local racing schedule for this weekend. Almost, actually, I take the back. Almost all the rate local racing schedule for this weekend has been rained out. You do have a chance to see some racing today in Western New York, and that is over at the Genesee Speedway in Batavia. They are. Uh, holding practice today at, I think, 2 o'clock, and then tonight, 6 o'clock, they do have an enduro they're going to run. So if you feel like bundling up and uh, heading out to Batavia and you want to see some racing, uh, Genesee Speedway is the place to do it this evening. Uh, Humberstone had their uh, Dawn of Destruction event. They postponed that to next weekend. Merrittville rained out last night. Uh, Lancaster had already previously canceled their scheduled event for this weekend. Uh, so, but you've got a shot if you are a diehard and you, you want to go see an enduro uh, or see some just cars practicing. Uh, you can head over to Genesee Speedway. Eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. On top of the race at Talladega today, which we'll talk about in a moment. Two big uh, 
stories relating to NASCAR this week that we're also going to talk about. But real quick, uh, the starting lineup for today's race at Talladega, the Geico 500, which again will be here on WGR. Kevin Harvick on the pull. Kurt Busch, his teammate on row one. No surprise. Fords. Well, actually, I guess, well, restrictor plate qualifying has been kind of a more of a Hendrick thing, I guess, in recent years. But uh, the Fords obviously have been very strong on the restrictor plate tracks, including uh, Ricky Stenhouse winning a couple last year. So all Ford front row with Harvick and Bush. Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin in row two. Chase Elliott qualified third. He'll go to the rear of the field uh, for a unapproved uh, change after qualifying, but he qualified fifth. Eric Jones sixth. Ricky Stenhouse, there he is in seventh. As uh, he, he, of course, won two restrictor plate races last year. Clint Boyer, eighth. Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, who are very good on the restrictor plate tracks. Keselowski has six career restrictor plate wins. And Joey Logano, former Daytona 500 winner, two of the best, I think, now that maybe the two best restrictor plate drivers in the sport now that Dale Jr. is retired. They are in row number five today. Uh, good qualifying efforts for Alex Bowman and David Reagan in 11th and 12th. Paul Menard qualified 13th. Daryl Wallace Jr. qualified 15th, of course, finishing second in the Daytona 500 earlier this year. Jimmy Johnson in 16th. Kyle Busch in 19th. Of course, Kyle going for his fourth straight win in the Cup Series today, something that has not happened in this sport since 2007 when Jimmy Johnson won four in a row. Unfortunately, this is probably the least likeliest of places for Kyle to get a win because of just how unpredictable restrictor plate racing is. But if he can do it today, it'll be four in a row for Kyle Busch. Uh, he qualified again 19th, Kyle Larson 22nd, Ryan Blaney 23rd, Daytona 500 winner Austin Dillon in 24th. That sounds weird to say. Uh, that's some of the notable names in the field, but there are a bunch of guys that are uh, actually going to the rear of the field today. And see if I can bring up that list fast enough here. And, yep, there we go. The uh, car is going to the rear of the field. Uh, Chase Elliott, as I said, for a tire change. Jamie McMurray, of course, he had to go to a backup car. He rolled his car in practice on Friday, which uh, was part of the reason why uh, NASCAR went to a smaller restrictor plate uh, following practice on Friday to keep some of the speeds down. Only uh, smaller by 164th of an inch, but that's enough to uh, take uh, about a dozen horsepower out of these cars and slow these cars down a couple miles an hour, but nothing uh, you'll really notice out there on the racetrack today. But uh, So McMurray in the backup car goes to the rear. Newman, Ty Dillon, Daniel Suarez, all backup cars. Uh, they were also caught up, I believe, in that incident with McMurray. And Eric Almarola, who, of course, uh, was had a shot to win the Daytona 500 back in February. Keep an eye on him today, although he'll have to go to the rear of the field as well. So you got about a dozen drivers that will fall tail at the start of today's race. We'll talk more about that with Mike Bag- uh, Bagley in a couple of minutes. But uh, two big NASCAR stories this week. The first one uh, out of left field, I guess you could say, unless you're, uh, I guess you're an insider, you might have heard uh, rumblings of this. But uh, for most everybody else, this was kind of a out of left field story. But Matt Kenseth is coming back to the Cup Series in 2018. Of course, Matt had been driving for Joe Gibbs Racing, and he lost his ride at the end of last year when the, the team decided to move Eric Jones from the Furniture Row team back to Joe Gibbs for 2018 and so Matt was without a ride of course this whole uh, change in NASCAR with the business of the sport where younger drivers that make less money are more likely to get rides these days than maybe veteran drivers that have bigger salaries and so Matt was uh, left without a chair when the music ended at the end of last year well Matt Kenseth is coming back and it's with an old team Roush Fenway Racing has hired Matt and he will join the team uh, in, at Kansas in a couple of weeks, and he's actually going to take the six car, which, of course, is currently driven by former Daytona 500 winner Trevor Bain, uh, although Trevor Bain has struggled 
and has not had uh, didn't his career has not taken off as some had hoped after he won that Daytona 500 for the Wood Brothers a few years ago. Uh, he wound up at Roush Fenway Racing, and unfortunately, he has struggled, especially when you compare, I guess, to his teammate Ricky Stenhouse, who w- won a couple races last year. Uh, so, Kenseth will run that car, uh, ride sporadically. Uh, this season, he'll start at Kansas. He'll run the uh, All-Star Race at Charlotte. And then uh, they have not decided his uh, full schedule, how many races he's going to run at 2018. I think a lot of it has to do with the sponsorship because Trevor Bain does have a sponsor in AdvoCare. Uh, I can't remember how many races exactly that, that deal has left for Trevor, but I'm sure he will uh, get those whatever races he had AdvoCare has, has AdvoCare in the car. I'm sure Trevor will stay in the car for those, but... The other dates where they don't have any sponsorship, and it's most weeks when you just see Ford logos on that six car, I'm sure Matt will get a shot to drive. So uh, kind of a surprise. To, I'm glad to see Matt is coming back at 46 years of age. Still, uh, you know, he won a race last year. He, he's still a great competitor. Uh, you know, I, I don't expect, I, I, you know, he'll go out there and he'll be able to give that six car as good of a run, if not better, than Trevor has been giving it so far this year. Um but great to see a, a former champion, Matt Kenseth, get back into the sport. I'm sure he is uh, going to be uh, – he's going to maybe not win a race, but like I said, he'll he'll help turn that six team around, which has struggled. Of course, the Roush cars don't have as good of equipment as some of the other top teams in the sport, so I don't expect Matt to go out there and maybe win a race in his return this year. But I, I definitely think he can only help that six team – uh, going forward this year and give them some more information uh, with his years of experience under his belt to try and improve that six car and maybe take it from a top 25, top 20 team and put it into position to get some top 10s and maybe some top five runs later in the year. It won't happen right away, but the more uh, Matt is in that car this year, I think that'll only improve and uh, also improve Trevor Brain's Trevor Bain's chances too when he is as he and Matt will share that ride for this year now uh any information that Matt can provide the team they can use that and help make the car better for Trevor as well too and maybe uh improve their fortunes this year and try and get that 16 turned around as uh, Roush has been in the news a lot here down these last two weeks we talked about last week of course uh, Ricky Stenhouse and the 17 team their big three sponsors including Fast and All uh, are locked up through 2021, so that was good news there for Roush, and now they've uh, brought um, uh, Matt Kenseth back into the fold to uh, share that six car. So it'll be interesting to see how well that team does compared to when Trevor Bain was driving the car when Matt Kenseth gets behind the wheel later this year and uh, how quickly he'll acclimate himself uh, driving uh, driving the uh, the Ford Fusion and uh, working with the folks over at Roush Fenway once again. And they had a big announcement at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, uh, including with Mark Martin, because, of course, it is the six car, which, you know, Mark is most famous for driving with Roush Fenway. And uh, it, and also uh, Matt brought over a sponsor with him, too, which I'm sure helped with uh, Wyndham Hotels uh, going to be sponsoring Matt, at least uh, for his return race at Kansas uh, next month. So that was the first big story. The other big story, another huge announcement came Friday, I believe. Yeah, Friday. NASCAR announcing that they have bought the ARCA series, which is huge. Uh, the ARCA racing series is probably the, I, I guess, second highest uh, stock car series in America behind NASCAR. Uh, you know, you you see them at the super speedway tracks like Daytona and Talladega. They run a mix of cup tracks, but they also run short tracks. They even run a, cur- a couple dirt mile tracks uh, later in the year, if you're not familiar with the ARCA series. And that's been kind of a uh, 
part development series, and a lot of uh, drivers that are looking to get into NASCAR, whether it's the Xfinity Series or the Cup Series, uh, hone their skills in ARCA, and also some veteran drivers run there as well, too. So NASCAR buying ARCA was a huge announcement. It's going to really change the, the landscape of stock car racing and I think NASCAR's development system. And I think... Uh, one of the part of the announcement is ARCA is going to continue to operate as normal for the rest of 2018 and next year into 2019. But 2020, it sounds like, is when NASCAR will fully take control of the ARCA series and, and put their stamp on the brand. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with ARCA and what they do with the K&N East and West series, because that's NASCAR's uh, two ser- uh, um, uh mid-tier series that they use as kind of driver development it if they merge those two together and see what they come up with because the arca cars and the k&n cars are, are very similar in several aspects and uh, a lot of teams run both series drivers run both series so there is a a, a lot of uh you know similarities between the two series so it would be easy to merge the two and it'll be interesting to see where that series goes do they make it one giant development series do they break it down and keep it a regional with an east and a west and maybe they throw in a midwest region with the arca it'll be interesting to see what happens when nascar fully takes over arca in 2020 and this is going to be all part of a big to do i think once we get into 2020 we've talked about it this year with the uh the end of the sanctioning agreements with the tracks there'll be a new schedule likely in 2020 2021 uh the um the sponsorship, the series sponsorship program that they've announced already that they're going to be going to more of a, instead of having one major title sponsor, they're going to have a, a, a collection of series sponsors. So I think it's all puts together just one big uh, thing for NASCAR. I, I think 2020, 2021 is going to be a, a new era for the sport. And I, I think uh, it's going to be. It, that's going to be like the next uh, next era in the sport where we're going to have maybe a new development series, a new look to the schedule, and a, a new uh, title, a series of title sponsors for the Cup Series and uh, maybe the Xfinity Series too. We'll see what happens. Mike, we have them. And we're going to go to the AT&T hotline and bring in one of the voices you'll hear on today's broadcast of the Geico 500 here on WGR from the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley joins us on the line. Bagman, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Great to talk to you again. Great talking to you, Dave. How things up in Buffalo? Uh, it it no no shock here. It's it's snowing a little bit, Mike. Oh my God, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, mother Mother Nature needs to be put out to sea. We we've had enough up here. We're we're crying, Uncle. Well, I hate to say this, but uh, today we're going to about seventy five and cloudless skies here in Talladega. So I feel your pain. I live in Mid Atlantic, and we've had a prolonged winter slash spring kind of situation, but. It's going to be good down here today, and uh, I expect a great race today. What do we expect? It's it, Obviously, restrictor plate racing is so unexpected. It's, it's hard to predict, Mike, with with the way the style of racing is, but is there anything we can count on today once we go green in the, in the Geico 500? Well, I think that what we'll see, Dave, is you'll see teammates seek each other out. And while it may not necessarily be meaning all the Penske guys lined up or all the Hendrick guys or the SHR guys or the Gibbs guys lined up together. You'll see probably some manufacturer teammates. The whole thing, Talladega is one big game of love them and leave them. <laughs> it's like you spend 485 miles loving up the people. And then in that last 15 miles, you leave them and you go with what you think is going to be the best for you. And it's always fine. It's, a, it's always fun to watch those drivers, find out the other ones, and see what partnerships develop. Mm. 
who's good and, and who you can take advantage of as far as hooking onto their draft or they hooking onto your draft or whatever, and then watch all that go away, and then you're left with what you get at the end, and it's basically every man for himself. That's one of the, that's one of the things I enjoy watching about Talladega. But as far as, like, a clear-cut favorite, man, this, you, you might as well fire up the old dartboard and start launching darts because that's probably a you got a better shot of finding out who's going to win the race and try to predict it out otherwise. Well, what do you think? What do you think is more likely to happen today, Mike? Kyle Busch get his fourth win in a row, or we see a Cup driver get their first career win today? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say that you probably have a better shot of Kyle Busch getting four in a row. Because even though this place 11 times before has given drivers their first ever win, mm-hmm. it hasn't happened in a while. It happened ta- uh, last year at Talladega. Before that, it was uh, 2011. But it doesn't happen all that often. Now, at the same time, Kyle has been snake at Talladega over the years. It's like he, he finished in the top five last fall. I'm sorry, in this race last spring. But it's been hit or miss. And, of course, the wild card Getting swept up in somebody else's mess, something yeah. happening, somebody cutting out a tire. I mean, there's just so many what ifs and so many possibilities of mayhem that it's hard to to work your way through all that. Kyle said it's easier to win the Powerball than it is to win it. <laughs> Obviously, your odds there were one in one billion, but here it's only one in forty. But I get his comparison. You just don't know, and it's so difficult to do. Right place, right time, right drafting help. So many things have to go right in order for that to happen. Well, Mike, I, I've enjoyed the, the first quarter of the season here so far. I mean, we've had two guys win three races apiece in, in Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch. But uh, tell me if you agree with me. But I'm an, I I think it, there's been pa- a, a little bit of parody this year, and not like IROC parody, but just all the big teams in the sports are getting their shots in this year. Joe Gibbs' teams are having good runs. The Penske cars are having good runs. The Seward Haas teams are having their good runs. I just think all all the big guys have been coming and running really well this year, and and, and despite you know Kyle's hot streak right now, I, I think every team has a shot to, to be running in Homestead for the championship later this year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, they do. That's a good assessment. Um, obviously, it has skewed a little more towards Gibbs and SHR. Penske's yet to visit Victory Lane. They've been running well, but it seems like they've hit a glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. They've gotten inside the top ten on a consistent basis, but they're just needing that little extra to get up into you know third, second, first place territory. And you speak of parity, and I think part of this is when you look at the timing sheet during practice, you look at the qualifying results, the separation between these teams is measured in tenths of seconds. It's not like when somebody says, oh, we need more speed, then, you know, we're just awful. It's no. We need a little more speed, and that speed comes in two-tenths of a second. Yep. Last week at Richmond, Kyle Busch missed advancing and qualifying by two-tenths of a second. You can't even blink your eyes that fast. That, yeah. that is the minute amount of measurement of time that folks are targeting. So you have the parity as far as different drivers winning, different teams winning, but you also have the parity of, a lot of cars are running the exact same speed. The equalizer and the differentiator, I think, this weekend is Talladega and the decision process the driver makes. But it has been good so far this year. 
to watch all of the different organizations share some sort of, of success in one form or fashion. Mike Bagley from the Motor Racing Network joining us here on WGR's Fast Track. Mike, of course, big news of the week. Matt Kenseth is coming back to the Cup Series, uh, taking over uh, the sixth team for Rush Family Raceway for a few races this year. Uh, it came out of left field for me, but as an industry insider as yourself, were you hearing any rumblings of this uh, leading up to the announcement this week? The only thing that we got was Jordan Bianchi's uh, article at SB Nation. Yeah. Sources told him that this is going to happen. I didn't expect this. I didn't see this because it was well documented when Matt left Roush Fenway to go to Joe Gibbs Racing. That didn't set too well with Jack Roush. And even Jack in the press conference this week alluded to the fact that it took him a while to get over it. But if I'm Jack Roush and I'm having performance challenges with younger drivers, in my opinion, there is no better driver to bring into the fold of Matt Kenseth, who not only is a good driver on the track, but he gives great insight and he gives great feedback to the team. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking to diagnose some issues with my race team, I'm going to entrust a guy like Matt Kenseth to give me the feedback. Now, what's going to be key is when Matt gives you the feedback, you need to act on it. Don't dismiss it. This man is obviously going to speak from experience and try to make your race team better. And I think that there's a longer-term implication to where Matt perhaps maybe could have some sort of a consultant role or a management role or anything like that. I like the fact that Matt's coming back. I've missed him on the racetrack this year. Yeah. Um, I just hope that he's able to give the feedback, the team is able to accept it, make the necessary adjustments, and get those cars right. This isn't going to turn around within the next three or four weeks. This may be a couple of months or so. Turning around performance in this garage is almost like comparing uh, turning around a cruise ship versus a jet ski. <laughs> jet ski is a more immediate change. A cruise ship's going to take a little time to get the old gal turned around, and I think that they're in cruise ship territory. But I think it's possible. I think Matt Kenseth can lead them to future successes and getting their cars better and running up front. And, and returning to some sort of a, a powerhouse like they used to be, because it's been a while since they've been in that territory. Mike, last thing before we let you go, what can we look forward to on the pre-race show uh, once it comes up here at 1 o'clock here on WGR? Uh, we got a little bit of everything. We're talking about uh, the adjustment to the restrictor plate races. Um, we've also got a one-on-one interview that she posted with Rex Farmer of the Alabama gang. Mm-hmm. He mentioned the truck the other day, and we'll hear some of that. And we'll, of course, we'll be talking to all the drivers as they come off the introduction stage. And we've got, uh, you know, you'll hear from the Daytona 500 winner. You'll hear from Timothy Peters, who's making his first start in the Cup Series, and all points in between. And we're locked alone. We've got a jam-packed pre-race show. And, of course, this is all in advance of the big show that's coming up here later this afternoon. Well, Mike, as a fan of your show Monday through Friday, as you know, uh, always great to, chance to get you on my show and talk to you. Have a great call today. Thank you so much for your time on a busy race morning, and uh, we'll be listening today here on WGR. Dave, thanks so much. Thanks to the folks in Buffalo for checking us in and twisting us in. And we'll look forward to bringing you the Geico 500 coming up here shortly. Take care, Mike. Take care, Dave. All right. Mike Bagley from the Motor Racing Network. You can follow him on Twitter at the Mike Bagley, and uh, he'll be in uh, working the corners today for the Motor Racing Network as part of their live flag-to-flag coverage of the Geico 500 here on WGR. When we get back, we'll uh, talk to Tim Peckman from the Lancaster National Speedway and Dragway, as uh, someday we'll get to go racing here in western New York. We'll find out how many days that is when we talk to Tim here next on WGR. Hi, this is Ryan Newman, driver of the Caterpillar Chevrolet. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. Ryan Newman had Jamie McMurray on top of his car during practice on Friday as uh, 
McMurray cut a tire down, got turned sideways in the backstretch, and rolled his car over about five times. And he said yesterday during uh, qualifying, he said that the back of his eyes hurt, and he was just kind of sore in general. So hopefully Jamie Mack feeling a little bit better today as uh, he'll start from the rear of the field today for the Geico 500. But uh, it was a typical restrictor play crash, but not one you see in practice. That that was the type of crash you see in the middle of a race, not one at practice. And uh, luckily, Jamie is uh, okay enough to drive, but he said the back of his eyes hurt when he woke up yesterday morning. I thought that was uh, that was pretty funny. Uh, NHRA in action this weekend, and they're in Charlotte for the four-wide nationals. And, this, of course, this is the second four-wide event of the year as, of course, uh, Las Vegas held their first-ever four-wide event uh, earlier this month. Uh, top qualifiers in the major uh, categories. Brittany Force, number one qualifier in top field. Tony Schumacher, Antron Brown, Steve Torrance, the top four qualifiers there. Funny car, Courtney Force, joins her sister as a number one qualifier. She did in Funny Car, Ron Caps, Tommy Johnson, J.R. Todd, your top four qualifiers in Funny Car Pro Stock. Drew Skillman, top qualifier with Greg Anderson, Bo Butner, and Vince Nobile, your top qualifiers there. In Pro Mod, Mike Janis, who we had on the show earliest year, qualified number three. So good. Hopefully Mike, uh, although, as he said, not a fan of four-wide racing, as he told us on the show earlier this year, uh, will uh, give it his best go today qualifying number three in Pro Mod, and hopefully he can pick up his uh, first win of the season after uh, finishing runner-up earlier this year. And uh, Melanie Salemi, unfortunately, did not qualify. Another Western New York uh, driver uh, with uh, some support from New Era this year. She had a, a great profile done about her that was uh, tweeted out by Drag Illustrated this week. If you scan back through my Twitter feed uh, at FastTrack550, I retweeted it out. But uh, she got some good pub. Uh, unfortunately, could not qualify for the field of 16 today, but uh, Melanie a very talented driver, and uh, her and her family, they uh, do a great job putting together and building race cars. And hopefully she will uh, qualify for the next pro-modified event in the NHRA uh, Melillo Drag Racing Series. 803-0551-888-552-550. The phone lines are open for you this morning. What do you think about today at Talladega? Uh, it is interesting question, as I posed to, to Mike Bagley earlier. What is more likely to happen? Kyle Busch get his fourth win in a row, or could we see a first-time winner in the Cup Series? As Mike said, and as history has proved, the uh, restrictor plate races are always prone to provide a first-time winner, although it's been a while since uh, we've had one uh, until uh, outside of uh, Ricky Stenhouse's win last year. We haven't had too many in recent years, but they are a likely place because of the unpredictability. But, of course, Chase Elliott is starving for that first career Cup Series win, and now that he has the same amount of runner-up finishes as his dad had before uh, getting his first Cup Series win, he at eight, he would like to... Uh, breakthrough and get a first win uh but i i think uh, there's an, a number of candidates i mean even look at the the young guys over there at hendrick with alex bowman and uh william byron both of those guys you know his uh, chase elliott's teammates uh, they have a shot to to possibly be there at the end i think uh even like someone like paul menard who's uh, with the wood brothers of course this year he's in driving a ford and the the penske cars are so good at the restrictor plate tracks and you know what the wood brothers team is kind of like a satellite team to the penske organization uh, you know, he could he qualified well. He qualified 13th, and it just there's a handful of guys that you could see uh, get their first career Cup Series win. Obviously, it would be so awesome to see Bubba Wallace get his first win after 
just the emotion of, of finishing second at the Daytona 500 earlier this year, how well he ran there late in the race, and then uh, his run at Bristol a couple of weeks ago, uh, leading a handful of laps, although the day wound up disappointing for Bubba, uh, still showed he can run well on other tracks too. It'd be another great potential first-time winner. And, and don't even count out, and don't count out the, the smaller teams. I mean, the front row motorsports, we've seen them come in surprise at, at Talladega in the past too, and I mean, they've got Michael McDowell and David Reagan driving for them today, and those are two guys that have had some good runs. I mean, Reagan qualified 12th. He made it into the final round of qualifying. Uh, don't count out those guys being there at the end of the race, especially if there, there are some crashes early in the race, maybe take out a couple front runners. Don't count out uh, some winner coming out of nowhere like a, a front row motorsports or, or maybe a, a, a Chris Busher over there for, for J, JTG Doherty Racing or, or Ty Dillon even, um, you know, with the 13 car. I mean, it, with Jermaine Racing, the, there's the, obviously that possibility as always at Talladega for uh, an out of left field winner to come. We'll find out later today here in WGR, but right now we're going to go to the AT&T hotline and bring in from the Lancaster National Speedway and Drag my dear friend Tim Packman is on the line. Tim, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I think the sun's coming out, Dave. Is that what that funny thing is in the sky? Yep. Yeah, I, I have a sunscreen on my eyeballs. It's so bad. I, I was gonna. I was gonna say it. It, it was snowing on, on April 29th in Buffalo. You're a short track operator. I'm sure you'd like to say some things that would get us fined by the FCC. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I've hidden all all sharp objects from myself, but I'm glad I live in a a one level place. <laughs> Leave it at that. <laughs> well, well, give us the latest, Tim, because the, there was a, another schedule adjustment yesterday for the track. What is the latest on when things are going to start in 2018 for Lancaster? Well, you know, a lot of people read that well-written press release, Dave, and what we had to do... That guy's a hack. Weather, you're welcome. Because the weather uh, forced us to hold off on our improvements, not repairs. We're making improvements here. So the concrete people said, "Okay, we're gonna we were gonna do grinding, which would have been fine." But I said, "You know what? Let's just let's just make it right." So, thank goodness to the ownership group, the Lancaster Speedway, and they said, "You know what? Let's do it that way." So we're doing it right. And so the two sections, one's coming out of turn four for the stock cars, and it's also the towards the end of the drag strip. So that affects both of them. And the other one is in the turn one area of the oval, but is very important for the drag strip so we can't get in and pour. You saw the weather yesterday and today. So once we do, we're going to have to push it back. So next Friday we hope to do a tech session. And then Saturday, you know, nothing going on for stock cars. And the week after that, we hope to start cruise night on Wednesday the 9th. It will depend on the concrete. And then on the the next Friday, the 11th and 12th, we'll start with uh, drag racing. And then on Saturday we'll start the stock car season off with the Racing Champion Modifieds. With our street stocks, four cylinders, and super stocks that night, so it's we're gonna come out of the come out of the box big there, and, and we appreciate all the fans and the fans and the stars and the cars for being patient and understanding. But it's nothing that we had any choice; as Mother Nature forced it. So that's where we're at right now, and we're just gonna punt and adapt. But the good news is, is we've actually got started working on the track areas, and everything's coming to life here. The coolers are on, the beer coolers on, and. Um, Lights are on, the water's on, so those are the big important things before we can have people out here. And I know it's frustrating, and I, I'm just as disappointed as everybody else, but but Tim, I, I'd rather have a, a track cancel races this early and, and have to or schedule races this early on the off chance that the weather does hit, and so you're not standing there with your your hands in your pocket saying, what if, when, it, when it's sunny and 70, versus saying, oh, well, we tried when it winds up snowing and it's 40. 
Right, and you know, I, I take full blame because the last two years at Lancaster, we've been able to have races in April, and I said, well, we've been good so far, and this year, the weather in February was better than March and April, so I take full blame. I, I put the schedule out in December, and I don't know what the future is going to be, but the good part is that we've, uh, you know, now we know, and we're, we're adapting, and, you know, we're still going to have racing here. We're still going to have a season. Um, we're just down, we're down three events so far and it's bad for everybody, but at the same time, you know, it's not like we, we did anything here on purpose to have it happen. Sure. Well, once we do get going, what are, so what are some of the big 2018 highlights on the Lancaster national speedway and dragway schedule? Well, like I said, we're going to have the modified start the season. We're going to have five visits by the race of champion modifieds this year. We have the super mods coming back on June 2nd. We have a Nitro Night of Fire coming back in July on the drag strip. We have Memorial Day. We have the um, Jet Funny Cars will be here. We have uh, Sunday Nostalgia taking place in August. We have the Swap Meet in June. Tommy Tony Night in August. Um, U.S. Open ends the season. Uh, just a lot of a lot going on. We got the Supercharged Bounty Hunters coming three times on the drag strip. Street Outlaws Night on the end of June. We have five uh, nights for the Buffalo Street Outlaws, which is a a class on the drags that has really taken off this year. And part of the improvements on the drag strip was because the bigger, faster cars, they need to have the better surface, and this will be better for everybody. So um, there's a lot, you know, going on, and we're going we're gonna to stay busy. we got 85 events, uh, you know, Tuesday test and tune and cruise night on Wednesdays, and, you know, we'll pick that up. And we'll just start rolling into the schedule and hope Mother Nature decides to be nice to us. That's one of the the street outlaws. That's one of the things that I've uh, amazed to see take off in the last couple of years. Obviously, that TV show that is a, is a big part of it. But you've got a group of guys in this area that have have really dedicated to that group, and they they come out and, and put a show on at Lancaster a couple of times a year, and, and people love it. Yep, they're actually becoming stars of their own here, and uh, you can tell when when they're in the house, they they rumble them pretty good. Plus, we weekly we have our top mod street bikes and sleds so people get a full course of racing action uh, they come out here for the drags and for the stock cars our staple division the, the sportsmen the street stocks and the four cylinders so we come back on saturday and we're just as entertaining and the good thing is people are actually starting to come back to the track that haven't been for years and people that haven't ever come are like well, we thought we'd check it out we heard about it and you know my neighbor my friend you know said come on out and it's still affordable family fun and you know we just we love our racing as you know and um, you know, we can't do this without, you know, other people, and that's what we appreciate most. Uh, Tim Packman from Lancaster National Speedway and Dragway joining us here in WGR's Fast Track. Tim, one event that was on the schedule but is no longer was the Red Bull Global Rallycross event after uh, Global Rallycross uh, disbanding operations, uh, announcing that, or, well, they haven't announced it. We announced it a couple of weeks ago. But real quick, just give us uh, your the tale on what happened there with that event. It, it was like I... I was getting calls from other tracks saying, hey, they owe us, be careful. And so I was like, hey, we need to have a talk. And I sent them a note on Monday. I was you know, friendly about it. And then they sent back, yeah, let's, let's have a phone conversation later tonight. And then, you know, I got a text from you in the morning going, hey, what happened to the Red Bull event? They deleted, deleted it. I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> then I went and checked my email, and I said, hey, at 1.04 a.m. on that Tuesday, they sent us that they ceased operations. You went on their website, and the schedule was down. So... And then it turned out we just put the word out to let everybody know so they knew, and with the refunds and everything, because that was all there, the tickets, and apparently we broke national news. With, you know, <laughs> I was malicious, but we were just informing our people so they knew, because, you know, we like to keep people informed. 
and that was it. So I've not heard from them, and they ceased operations, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, the, the, the good part is I, if they were going to come here and we were going to do a lot of work, you know, changing the track over and putting dirt down in places and it wasn't going to be worth it in the end, then that's probably better off that, you know, things happened the way they did. Yeah, disapp- it was exciting when it was first announced, but in the end, uh, I guess uh, it, it wound up. In the, <laughs> I'm glad they it didn't happen. Where you wound up uh, any owing anybody around here any money. So uh, glad uh, right. it turned out the way it did. I guess. Uh, but that's something I, I'm sure you're always on the, the search for to try and bring in different types of events. Yes, there's a lot of stuff weekly between Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. But I, I'm, I'm sure you're you, you're looking for other types of events to try and bring in just to, to try and generate more interest for the facility? No, well, last year, um, you know, we brought in the Super Mods, and first time in 14 years, and that went over great, as you saw. And then we brought Monster Trucks, which will be back again in September, and that brought a whole new crowd here. I mean, we went through more cotton candy <laughs> that night with all the kids here. It was awesome, and pizza. Um, but, you know, it, those are the things you got to do. I mean, we, have a, we only have a limited window. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you can't just do something to do something. You have to do it where it makes sense for everybody from a business standpoint. You know, do you think the area, people in the area would like to come to that? Um, you know, both were well-received. Uh, we had fans from, you know, Connecticut, Oswego, uh, Ohio, Canada, uh, all kinds of, you know, Pennsylvania all coming in for the mo- super mods. And then for the monster trucks, we had people in the area that had never been here before. And so that was good. Tim, uh, last thing before we let you go, we'll ask you about your uh, previous life down in North Carolina, but today would have been Dale Earnhardt's birthday, and I know uh, you worked for DEI, you worked with Richard Childress, so you, you've got s- some ties there, but uh, what was it like uh, deal- in your interactions with Dale? I don't know if you worked with him directly, but just uh, a big hole in the sport obviously was left when he left us in 2001, but uh, he's obviously still on the- on everybody's mind today. Sure. Big time. I mean, you know, he single. You know, there's, he's one of the biggest names in the sport. Um, you know, I I still have my last interview I had with him when I was at NASCAR.com. I still have the tape of that. Um, then I went to work at Dale and Incorporated for four years, and they're some of the best times in my life and uh, racing career. And then I was fortunate enough to work with Richard Richard Childress Racing, and I just learned so much about him and how he did things and how. He operated, and, you know, I'm sitting here today with my Dale Earnhardt T-shirt on <laughs> and uh, my three jacket on, and um, uh, and he was just, like, when he walked into the room, you could tell. And, you know, he had a playful side to him, but he also had this, you know, don't mess with me side, and I saw that with Dale Jr. a lot, especially at uh, plate races like, you know, Talladega and Daytona. Like, just before he get in the car, he'd, like, do this, Dale Jr. would just look down and, you know, they sit up, he's got his daddy face on, and that's ready to go racing. So, yeah, Dale was uh, one unique individual. He Business-wise, he, he led the way in merchandising and things like that. People weren't aware of that. You know, his effect uh, on the sport is long-lasting, and, and I think it's, um, what's it been now, 19 years? And yeah. That don't know who he was and weren't able to see him race in action, but they know who he is now just because of uh, the tributes that still go on. Well, Tim, enjoy the race at Talladega today. Hopefully we can start running some races of our own very soon, and uh, best of luck this season. Thanks. Uh, Bubba Wallace is my pick today, just so you know. All right, you've heard it here first. Tim, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Dave. Tim Packman from Lancaster National Speedway and Dragway. 
uh, LancasterNationalSpeedway.com, Facebook, and uh, at Lancaster uh, SPDWY on Twitter for more information. And, uh, yep, uh, May 11th and 12th was now opening weekend for Lancaster due to the uh, the weather delaying the concrete work that was going on at, that was supposed to go on this weekend at the track. So, unfortunately, just dealing with the hand mother nature has dealt us so far this year. All right, we get back. We'll uh, wrap up today's edition of Fast Track. Time for your phone calls at 803-0551-888-552-550. How about it? Picks for Talladega today. Uh, you got a lot of choices. Kyle Busch, four in a row, a first-time winner like Bubba Wallace. What do you think is going to happen? Love to hear from you when we wrap up Fast Track here on WGR. Hi, this is Jamie McMurray, driver of the number one McDonald Chevy SS. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. 11.52 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Dave Buchanan wrapping up this edition of WGR's Fast Track. Again, we'll have live coverage of today's Geico 500. Uh, pre-race starts at 1 o'clock, courtesy of the Motor Racing Network. Uh, green flag just after 2 o'clock today. Hope you tune in. Uh, F1 uh, competing their, uh, completing their race earlier today at Azerbaijan. Uh, Baku, Azerbaijan. And uh, it was a wild one, to say the least, uh, as uh, Lewis Hamilton got the win, but it wasn't one of those races where Lewis Hamilton just kind of blew everybody's doors off. I know those cars don't have doors, but uh, it's just a phrase. Uh, He actually kind of lucked into the win today as things got crazy late in the race when the two Red Bull cars took each other out. Daniel Ricciardo was trying to pass teammate Max Verstappen. Verstappen doing a little bit of blocking, and Ricciardo drove into the back of him and took the both of them out. And that set up a late-race restart. On the restart, uh, Valtteri Botas, uh, Hamilton's Mercedes teammate, was leading uh, Vettel and Hamilton, and uh, they went back to green. They went into turn one, and Vettel just overcooked it, trying to dive-bomb past uh uh, Botas to take the lead that took Vettel out of contention so it looked like Botas was going to drive away to the win with uh, Hamilton in his tire tracks but no uh, tire goes down on Botas's car and Lewis Hamilton just lucked himself into a win at Azerbaijan for uh, Mercedes first victory of the year so Hamilton got the win Kimi Raikkonen wound up second Sergio Perez for Force India rounded out the podium although I believe they're reviewing one of his passes late in the race and I'm not sure if the penalty's already been applied, or if they may penalize him further, further, I apologize for not being on top of that. So, But for now, Perez got third, Vettel got fourth, Carlos Sainz rounded out the top five there. Uh, not a great day for the Haas F1 team as uh, Magnussen finished uh, the last car in the lead lap in 13th. And where is Grosjean? I don't know. Um Oh, right. Okay. Oh, 15th. Okay. There it is. Yeah. Magnuson and Grosjean, 13th and 15th. So not a great day for Haas F1, but uh, a wild one there. Check out the replay of the, the Red Bull incident if you haven't done so already. That was uh, crazy just uh, driving to the back. So there's been some, just some, in- actually some interesting races this year in F1. The, the last couple races have had some wild uh, late race uh, drama that you don't get a lot of in F1. So it's pretty cool. Uh, oh, uh, Force Indian not expecting any penalty. Uh, for uh, Perez. It was an issue with uh, uh, with the DRS. Uh, he used it where he shouldn't have used it, apparently. But it looks like, according to Luke Smith, at least on Twitter, uh, who covers F1, uh, they don't expect any further penalties. So it uh, looks like Perez will get uh, credited for that third-place finish. Uh, real quick, we'll squeeze in one phone call here. Rob from the Southern Tier. Rob, good morning. Hey, Dave. First off, I want to say I really appreciate this show. I love listening to it. I'm, I'm so glad that you provide the coverage for the national level and the local guys um just calling to say you know we got lancaster and they're doing a great job of trying to build the program back up from what it was uh 
help out on a local eight-mile team. We're a little disappointed. We're losing our first race of the year. We're hoping that maybe they'll get us another race in there. You know, we've got some dedicated core teams out there, as you know. Yeah. And, uh, there's some investment there, and the guys just want to race. So we're hoping that Mr. Packman will you know, support us, get us that first race back. Um, and uh, as far as the uh, cup side, go Chase Elliott. But um, just hoping that, you know, uh, Tim knows that, Listen, we, we got guys that want to race. Just get up to me. Yeah, that, uh, Rob, thanks for the phone call, and thank you for listening. Uh, it's no slight to the late model teams. It's just bad luck. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, there's sections of the racetrack torn up right now, so there's no way they can get the race in next weekend until that concrete is poured and settled and everything so we can provide everybody with a good, safe racing facility. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's just bad luck, the fl- a fluke schedule. I mean, the late models have lost a race, but the sportsmen, street stocks, and four-cylinders have all lost three races this year. So uh, it, we ju- the decision came down yesterday. Tim is going to talk to Joe Scott Nicky with the Race of Champions because it's their late model series. It's not, you know, so we got to talk to them, see if Joe wants to reschedule the race. There's a lot of moving parts there. If it's possible, it's possible, and we'll try and make up the date. If not, you know, it, it, we feel bad to the late model teams, but you're not the only ones that have lost races. You're a lot of other teams that also invested a lot of money. So it, I, I know it sucks for the late model guys, but plenty of other racers have also lost more than one race this year and we'll try our best to work with the ROC and maybe get that race rescheduled. Unfortunately, there's only so many weeks. We've got such a limited window here in Western New York. You know, we can't run, we can't start racing in in March and we can't run until the end of October. So we've got this limited window. There's only so many events and opening dates uh, uh, openings on the schedule. So uh if it's possible they will reschedule if not, you know, unfortunately that's just the breaks of racing but look forward to having the Race of Champions late models back a few more times this year. Plus they've got uh two dates at Lake Erie Speedway of course this year with the event in June that they're going to be they were added to this year and also of course Race of Champions weekend at the end of September. So and uh, I know uh, the that race in June for the late models, that's a qualifier for the big uh, big money race at Jucasa later this year, too. So uh, some added incentive and importance with that race. Thank you for the call, Rob. And again, thank you so much for listening. That'll do it for us this week. Uh, again, don't forget to stay tuned and, and catch the race here on WGR today starting at 1 o'clock. And we'll be back next week with more Fast Track here on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.